Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Woo! Welcome back. Welcome back to Leafs Late Night, where it's never too late for the Leafs, ever, because we got revenge on the Penguins. Presented by Inside the Rink, I'm your host, Roscoe, joined by Beaner and Sadi. How is it going, fellas? After a Leafs win, it's a pretty good night for us, boys. It's going well, it's going well. Good to have one of our, our goalies back. And aside from maybe me reading into movements a little too much and being a little overly cautious and watching things, he looked good. Okay. You know what? Since you're bringing that up right off the hop, I have a question that I was going to wait for. But since you brought it up, I'm just checking. So this is from Mikey D underscore 392. After one game, how are we feeling about Matt Murray? And you, in our chat during the game, as you mentioned, brought up a bit of a tweak that you might have noticed, and I want you to tell the world about it. Well, I, I I noticed it because I, honest to God, did the exact same thing this past Sunday, and my knee is about uh, an inch wider than it's supposed to be right now from being swollen. Ooh. Um, so halfway through that penalty kill in the third period, Murray was sliding left to right, and as he was sliding, the puck got deflected. So he went to stop. And as he was stopping, he went to move that right leg up to try to attempt to make a save. And he kind of, I don't want to say flinched, but he kind of moved a little bit, tensed up as he was doing that. And then he was really, really ginger the next couple times he went up or went down and was moving. And anytime he was down, he was a little slow. Now, I don't know if that's maybe a little mental maybe that's how he hurt himself in practice when he went out and he's just kind of like oh, oh crap did I just do it again or maybe it was just a little stiffness because he hasn't played like this is only his second game second but, game in uh, like 250 something days right like or regular seven, yeah, games, yeah. like a lot yeah yeah exactly and then you know as we're as I'm typing that out in our chat the puck leaves the zone and the next time it came in he looked perfectly fine so Mm -hmm. uh, unless that was just adrenaline coming back in and and getting rid of any pain there was I think I might have been just a little you know a a little worried over nothing and kind of overanalyzing things I'm really hoping it was just a bit of a scare but he never talked to the trainer he never went to the bench or anything like that exactly that's very encouraging yeah I mean like I hurt my neck a couple weeks ago and i mean i'm i would consider myself like back to 100 percent, but i'm not really like you know if i turn a certain way i'm like oh that's a little weird so maybe it's like he's good but that movement that's a little like you can't really practice every movement that a goalie is going to make in a game because like you're contorting yourself in insane ways so maybe it's just he moved away that was like oh you know what that one didn't feel good just for future i cannot bend that way yet so yeah eh. just a, a little tender still yeah, yeah, exactly. To go back to the question, though, I think overall we got to be pretty happy with him, right? Like, he looks really big in net. He was moving around pretty well. I thought he had a bit of difficulties tracking the puck when there was a lot of um, traffic in front. But that's just going to come with timing and playing, you know, more than two regular season games in like a whole year. So overall, yeah. I think uh, a lot to be encouraged by. Yep, 35 saves on the night. And I mean, the Penguins' problem hasn't been scoring. It's been they let in too many goals. So you got a lot of guys that can score very easily, as we saw in the couple that they got. But uh, he made a lot of great glove saves, um, mm-hmm. a lot of saves on shots that were through traffic. But yeah, it was when it was down in front of the net that I noticed he struggled a lot. Like there was a couple within five minutes of each other. I think it was in the third period where the puck just kind of trickled out through his legs behind him and. You know, he just lost track of it while everybody was around him and it was on the ground. That was the only thing I noticed that he was still maybe not great on. But Jordy Ben, big saves. Oh, Jordy Ben. Oh, thank you, Jordy Ben. Yeah, but like those, what what you were talking about out out front and then, you know, the battling for it like that and it trickling behind you, that is the kind of thing that will get better as he gets, you know, he feels the puck a little bit more. 100%. 100%. Because he hasn't really felt it, so he's he's losing it when it hits him. And um, I think... If you haven't... 
sorry, Sally, if, like if you haven't played in a long time, you're not really, okay, your reflexes might not be as fast, but for the most part, your positioning and your initial save are still going to be pretty much the same. Sometimes you're hotter than others, but it's that, it's that battling that second, third, fourth chance, that feel for the puck where it is when it hits you that you got to get back into the habit of, okay, this shot, it's going to hit me a hundred times and 98 times it's going to go here, but two, it's going to go there, right? Like you got to get back into that. So I, I was trying to, trying to be as, as partial as I could and just kind of remember it's only a second game, but no, I, I was happy. Like no offense to Shalgren, but he, he's been a sub 900 goalie for us since he's come in yep. and we've been treading water with him. So I mean, even he's never to further to play this many games there, I think like as he gets more comfortable with his body and his injuries too, he's going to be a little more aggressive and acrobatic when he's down low and on his knees. So maybe that's something you just wanted to be very careful of tonight. Yeah, and I mean, just because we didn't uh, do an episode after the uh, the Saturday night game, poor Shalgren, man. We said Petrozelli was going to play. That poor kid had to play two nights. I say kid, he's older than Samsonov is, but poor guy, baby goalie, back-to-back, come on. <laughs> that being said, though, I, I don't know if this is why Keefe did it, but to have five Swedes plus a Swede goalie oh. out there to start the game the night you're honoring Salming. Yeah. 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 It's an okay. inverted nice nod, hopefully at best. Yeah. Yeah, because he did have the whole Swede lineup to start the night, so that was, you know, I get it. Okay. But I feel like I mean, the team plays a lot differently in front of their real starting goaltender, too. But every time Schalgren's in it, they're a little more timid, they're flat foot, and uh, yeah, it's never really bodes too well i find yep. yeah it, it, when they, it definitely when all, happens yeah when they're all protecting them they tend to make a lot of mistakes and i mean like we saw a couple of mistakes from the d tonight but um on the whole i mean it didn't cost them goals like it has against shalgren right like it's you know one blunder from somebody okay we'll get to the second pens goal but <laughs> yeah. we'll get there. one blunder from somebody doesn't equal a goal every time like it has the last couple nights which have been just tough do you find um, he's like so, really imposing in that too? Like he reminds me of like JSG Gare, like just the size of him. He's I forget like how big he's he is a big man all the time. Yeah, and I mean, look, we have call Eric Shalgren baby goalie, and Samsonov isn't massive either, from what I remember. So yeah, I think it's it's the first like bigger sized goalie we've had in a while. I like it. Me too. I might be speaking out of turn there, but. I have to be careful now because I spoke at a turn on Twitter and I got fucking roasted for it. So <laughs> just be a little charged now. still. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so let's jump into the game. So first period, Leafs uh, had a good first one. I got to say, I mean, they came out of it do nothing. But uh, the highlight of it is that Capitano, John Tavares, finally, finally, it felt like, you know, he was doing so well. And it's not that he wasn't playing well. It's that, like the goals seem to be coming easy until he hit 399. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, this could be two games. This could be 10. I don't know. <laughs> but finally, he hits 400 and he is the uh, 13th active player to reach the milestone. Love it. Congrats, Johnny T. Yeah, and George Ben for the assist. I mean, I thought their first 10 minutes were pretty good, but the, the second 10 minutes were just really, really impressive. They took over the ice. They were dominating in all facets of the game. And yeah, Jonathan Tavares was massive. Yeah, so the line, the JT and, and Mitch Marner together really worked, eh? Yeah, holy fancy, shit. fancy that. <laughs> that like, second goal was know. insane. JT popped 47 goals once in his career, and that was playing with Marner. He's never hit 40 ever, ever in his career without him. Interesting. I didn't realize that. That's cool. Cause, and he gets um, his first ever goal against the Penguins and his 400th against the Penguins. Oh, that's True. really cool, too. Fun fact. Thanks for that one. Um, so the second goal there, Tavares to Riley to Marner. I don't know how Tavares saw Riley there and fed that over to him. That pass was disgusting. And then Riley to Marner. And then Marner does that thing. It was it looked like the pass he made to Lilligren where it's like, just like the complete sweep around. But this time he just put it in the net. It was gorgeous. Anyway, nothing no, on that. Was, okay. No, I thought that was pretty what, impressive. Just, 
he does do like that same wraparound play, but like you said, instead of passing it, he actually dekes the Smith out, puts it on his backhand, and he was stoked as hell after that. Because from Johnny oh, yeah. to Riley to Riley to him was such a beautiful play. Yeah, and I hate to say that, like, you know, splitting them up is the answer, but eh, I mean, that line looked better, and Willie and Matthews looked better. So, I mean, hats off to Keith for, for doing something right now. It seems like he's actually trying to juggle this lineup around and see if anything will catch. Yeah, look, because five on five scoring is what they've struggled with. And look, they yeah. scored two five on five goals in the first period. Yes, Pittsburgh lets in a lot, but look, Leafs haven't scored five goals that often this season. No, they haven't. But like, like a, a, another thing too is the days of you know the the production line, the you know the Gordy Howe, Sidabel, and Alex Delvecchio, like, or you know the uh, what was the Islanders line called? <clears throat> I should know this. I can't remember. But with Bossy Trache, like, you don't get lines that stay together for entire careers anymore. Or the French Connection out of Buffalo, like. Mm-hmm you're not going to get that. So I think when you can juggle things up, because a game by game basis, Tavares is going to bring different things out of Marner. Marner is going to bring different things out of Tavares than if Marner was with Matthews. And that's a good thing because if you continuously play the exact same game, shift in, shift out for 82 games in a season and then playoffs, things might get a little stale. You'll be a little more predictable if you can get comfortable even playing 20 game segments with a different line mate, you don't have to do the whole season. If you like something and you know it works, you can go back to it. Just it's, it's nice to be able to have another option to change it up and know it's going to work. Right. Yeah. I think it's a nice thing for Tavares too, at this point in his career to have someone like Marner on his wing where he can just, you know, do all the magic with the puck, know where he's going to be put him in the best positions to have his shot where Tavares is extremely effective. And even like with the uh, Nylander playing with Matthews right now, those are two guys who can just keep going and like dominate a play at any time. So yeah, it's an interesting look. I kind of like it right now. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest things is being predictable, right? Like teams have played against Matthews and Martyr together. Every single one of the 31 teams has played against that line. They know yep. kind of what to do. And to be able to just come into a, a game against the Leafs and say, well, let's do what we did last time. That's you can't have that happen. I mean, we've seen a lot of changes in the bottom six, but the top six has been relatively the same. Uh, I know it was Babcock's thing that he got lit up for. But now now that the fans are on side, it's the popular thing to do. So Keith is totally totally cool for doing it right well why not have both in your pocket like you depending who you're playing on like if you have two lines that you can rotate at any point who are just going to dominate the game then do it of course uh so the the interesting one was the second period right (laughs) this is where things things get a little squirrely so like right off the puck drop the uh the pittsburgh penguins got a little sloppy and i think what I'm thinking their plan here was just right off the drop, let's go full attack. And all their forwards went one way, but the puck went the other way. And uh, Matthews and Bunting pretty much just had the entire ice to themselves and put an easy one in. Like, Bunting basically had a wide open net there. on display. That was such a sick pack by Matthews. Like, he drew the defenseman in, had the puck way back, saucered it from the back, and Bunting was wide open. Oh, so beautiful. They had no chance on that. And uh, I just, real quick, I have to shout out the funniest fucking tweet that I saw on that. Because I tweeted the same thing. I was like, um, that was, the Penguins looked really bad on that. And so uh, Mike Stevens tweeted out, are the Penguins just bad now? Uh, <laughs> then he replies to himself, shut up, idiot, moron. And then immediately after, you absolute dumbass, what an idiot, shut up, idiot. Because I had the exact same feeling after I went, oh, the pens look bad. Because, like, literally, what's the time on this? 11 seconds and 54 seconds and 2 minutes and 38 seconds. This game went from 3 nothing to 3-2. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. So. Go ahead. Sorry. uh, Like, not that I I, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not trying to be a homer. But with regards to these two Penguins goals, the first one, at first when I saw the goal go in, I didn't realize it was deflected. And I was a little worried, a little skeptical. 
okay, maybe Rust, you know, he hasn't played a lot, but it, it, sh- it should have been something that was saved. Then you see the replay. He was in position. He was there. It got deflected off Raquel Shinpad out front. No chance. So, yeah, you can save those, but you got to have the luck on your side that night. Like, it's it, there's nothing you can do. And then the Crosby one, Sandman oh. with the, the biggest hot and ready right up the middle. Like That was and, and, so and unfortunate. And it's not like he gave it to Jeff Petrie. He gave it to <laughs> the guy who's probably got the best backhand that the NHL has of seen time, since David right? Keon in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, literally, Keon, uh. Keon was known for his backhand. Like his backhand alone could have got him in the Hall of Fame, let alone the rest of his game. Not only that, he's practiced it a thousand times a week on Matt Murray. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it with his yes, yes, it sucks. His... Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. But it, if you're going to give a backhand to anybody and it go in, at least if it's Crosby, you have an excuse. Exactly. <laughs> but like, I, I what guess a play by Sandy. You know, that guy is just, he's got to slow down a little bit sometimes. He's got this thing where the puck hits the stick and it immediately has to go down for a long pass or, you know, something like that. But he just he has a real he's hard trying time, to prove, I find, slowing the play down. Yeah, he's trying to prove he's more than a million four player, right? Like, he's, yeah. he's trying to prove the management wrong that, you know, he was worth more. And he's overdoing it. He's, I think it's exactly a confidence right. thing, too, at down. this point. Like, if he's on top of his game, he probably makes that play 99 out of 100 times. But as it is yep. right now, his confidence is a little bit shot. He had the whole contract thing going into the season, and he's making you know, he's made that mistake quite a few times already. Yep. Um, who were the? What was the lineup tonight? It was Riley with Ben, and then um, Geo with Hall, and then Lillian Sandman. Yeah, I think for having look for the injuries that they've got on defense right now, those guys played well against a really tough offensive team. Like, like what, what were the numbers that Malkin has against the Leafs? You said, Oh, I think it's like 62 points in like 48 games or something ridiculous. I think he's got like 68 points in like 42 games. That's nuts. Something very close. So something in the forties and sixties there, but yeah. um, Just the fact that you've got Malkin and Crosby and Gensel and Raquel and like these guys that are just so offensively dangerous, you know, Speaking of offensively that. dangerous, I thought their power play was pretty good. Although they, they didn't score or too much on it. Um, Toronto played so deep and Latang just blasted it every time. And it was like so concerning because Murray was having a bit of hard time tracking with the traffic in front. But man, Latang on the point. Woo! What a beauty. Yeah, I'm just checking. Faceoff percentage uh, was in Penguins' favor. Shots on goal was in Penguins' favor. Um, they had less penalty minutes. They had, oh my god, tw- do you know what the hit? Ca- take a, a stab at the hit count if you're not looking at it, because I think Bean is. I've got it in front of me. Yeah. So the, what was the hit count tonight? You think? Oh, I, I couldn't even tell you. Tell me. Well, uh, the Penguins doubled the Leafs, fifty to twenty-five. Wow. Pardon me. So like. Really, that just goes to show that the Leafs played well. They they kept the Penguins 0 for 3 on the power play. Like, look, I said it. The Penguins have no problem scoring. And the fact that we had Riley and Ben as the first defense pair and Gio and Hall as the second and then Sandman and Lily, like, they played well, man. They did. Uh, like I, I said. I, I, I think. Go ahead, Bree. Oh, uh, no, sorry. You can go ahead on that because mine's just, I was just a Like bit I said earlier, like topic. I just thought their power play needed a bit of adjustment because they were playing below the hash marks the whole time and like Pittsburgh was just blasting shots for a while. Like They, they had that one power play, I think, where they had four like really clean shots. Um, oh, yeah. Luckily, they never gave away a power play goal, but that's something I'd like to see Keith do a little bit more is like in-game adjustments like that. Yeah. Only Jeff Petrie on defense and uh, that new guy, Bluger, who was playing his first game, didn't have a shot on goal for the Penguins. Like, they were firing at all cylinders. Yeah. Um, and just on the on the fact that they had 80 hits or 50 hits, I had to check who got them. Um, <laughs> Danton Heinen had eight. Archibald Ooh. had six. Zucker had five. So for, for all those fantasy people out there, if you need hits, go for the Penguins because apparently they throw them like crazy. 
I think some of that might be a little bit uh, home team bias. You think? Like, yes, they were hitting well, but like this happened with Vegas the first year they were in. You look at the shot clock and they had 50 or 60 shots every game and they had 40 or 50 hits, right? Like it's something that kind of surprises me that still goes on, but it does happen from time to time. Like even the guys on TSN were talking about it on the broadcast because Mike Johnson had said that Tavares was going to have, I think, three shots on net. I knew you were going to say that. that. Yeah, that one shot, it clearly, DeSmith saved it with his blocker. So technically that's a shot on net. But it wasn't until the TSN guys kept talking about it and talking about it and talking about it that they actually changed it. Like with with the NHL going so hardcore and hot and heavy into gambling, you would think they would be a little stricter and a little and enforce a little more neutrality with stat tracking. Yeah, I'm just checking on my fantasy team because I have Tavares. He was credited with three shots on goal on Yahoo. So there you go. Um. So after all these goals happen in the first uh, three minutes of the second period, <laughs> Mark Giordano is taken down by Jason Zucker. They both go down to the boards and the arm goes up and everyone, it, literally everybody on the ice was like, wait, who's getting a penalty here? No, what? Gio went back to the and, bench. Yeah. And I said, uh, it's uh, tripping on Mark Giordano. They're like, what? Keeps reaction. He looks down and just looks up. He's like, um... Huh? And then Gio just throwing his hands up in the box. Like, this is insane. It was like, oh, p- the Penguins are starting a comeback here. Let's let's hold them in a little bit. Give them a little, them a little power play. Want a little power play here? Want a little, you guys want a little, a little freebie? <laughs> tied up? You want to tie it up in a little freebie? It's a little taste. Ugh. Yeah, well, yeah, luckily, that was, like that was I said, Leafs one. kept them over three. Um, yeah, and after that, for the rest of the second period, all my notes are Murray, Murray, Murray. Jordy Ben, Murray. Yeah, it was in uh, it was in the second that Ben saved that one on the goal line, wasn't it? That was nuts. Yeah, I sure thought Murray had a huge second half of the second period. That's where like, he was really shining today. He, yeah. yeah, he did. Um, there was one funny thing that happened in the second period, and shout out to Doug Doucette for catching this. Um Justin Hall cross-checked Dennis Mulgan. <laughs> <laughs> so they were in front of the net, and he went to, I guess, clear the player who was in front of him. But I don't know how you, like, how do you manage that? Like, they're very different jerseys. I, 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 I know Mulgan's short, but he's not that short. <laughs> yeah, and like, like, the reaction from Mulgan, he turns around and goes, what the fuck? Like, looks at all. He goes, wait, that was you? <laughs> it's so good. Didn't Hall ding and ball in the face, too, with the puck? Oh, yeah. He go, he went to clear it, and he hit the giraffe in the head. <laughs> also, I got to give it to him. Just because, not speaking of, of the giraffe, um, because we didn't do a game um, or an episode after the, uh, the game on Saturday. <laughs> he did score, so I got to give him a giraffe noise. But, oh, my God. You know what? That's going to bring up, I think it's Mike's question. Give me a hot sack here. Anytime our conversation leads into something I have a question on, I feel like I should just bring up the question instead of talking about it twice. So, um, but, 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 yeah, this is from Mike, the fanatic. Can you imagine investing $7.75 million into three stocks, in this case, Kerfoot, Yarncrook, and Engvall, and getting this little of a return on that trio? They are next level useless. So, do any of you want to go to bat for Kerfoot, Yarncroke, or Engvall uh, this season? Peter? I will for Yarncroke. I will for Kerfoot. Okay. Like, Interesting. Kerfoot stand. Okay. So, so I, Beaner, defend Yarncroke because that's not the one I expected you to go for here. Well, I, I know what one you knew I wasn't going for. Um, so, Yarncroke isn't signed to be a 30, 40, 50 goal scorer. He's always had this kind of little bit of an edge to him and a little bit of competitiveness. And he's played a responsible game. Like he's been a reliable player wherever he's gone, except for the playoffs when Sutter forgot he had him on the roster. (laughs) Like he's, he's not signed for five, six million a year. Everybody's losing their mind that he's been signed for four years. Okay. 
you also got to remember the guys coming to a new country, new city. As fans, sometimes we don't factor that in. New conference, and I'm, yeah, I'm guilty of it too. Like I will get, you know, you get a player in the first year, they do absolutely nothing, and then the next year, you're like, where the hell was this last year? Like, considering all those factors, I don't think he's done horrible. The whole entire team, excuse me, the whole entire team has played below expectations this year. Right, like it's it's not yeah. like the whole team is is playing to where they're supposed to be, and he's an anchor because he's not. He's trying, he's digging, he's out there, and he's giving it. Just it's not fully clicking yet. I definitely think it's way too soon to be giving up on him. So seventeen games of the season, he's got three goals, two assists. Uh, he's a minus one, ten penalty minutes. Um, he's shooting twelve and a half percent, and his career shooting percentage is eleven point seven. So I mean. Really, he's shooting better with the Leafs right now than he is in his career, so that's something. Um, I feel like he's I, still trying but, to carve out his spot still, too, though. Like, as Beaner said, he's still trying to figure this out. Yeah, and his career high in points is only, what, 34, 35? He's a 15-goal a scorer. That's his thing. He's he's there to replace what Andre Kasha was, but without getting injured for half the season, essentially. Like yeah. that's that's uh, that's really what he was brought in to do. It's two million dollars a year. Like I don't really think he's that big of a waste of money, especially because over the course of four years, that two million dollars is going to be like essentially a league min contract after the cap goes up. Yeah, it's fair. Sadie, so you want to defend your boy? My boy, Kerfee hasn't been having the best year. I'll give you that, but this guy is a Swiss Army type of player. He can go up and down the lineup, and I feel like they're just kind of using him in the wrong ways right now. Like, putting him on the first line with Matthews and Marner was not the play for him. He does his best work, usually on the third line and jumping up to the second, but he does great uh, penalty killing. He can be on the second power play unit, and he's the type of guy like who, when the season goes on and the the playoffs start playing, he's someone like you desperately want on your lineup because he's going to give it your all, and that's when he actually starts playing his best, so... For everyone who's complaining about him right now, like let's just calm down. Remember what he did last year. Remember what he did the year before, and he's going to do that again. That being said, like you can go back to almost any episode last year, and I was pumping Kerfoot's tires all the time, saying that exact same thing. He has a Swiss Army knife, and I do still believe that. But at some point, that Swiss Army knife has to be useful. Like a lot, you know. I don't know about where you guys grew up, but I had a Swiss Army knife when I was a kid, and <laughs> I never used it for anything. But I had it <laughs> right, right, right like, through the so chest, good. buddy. <laughs> Seriously, though, that's like, fucking amazing. No. Yes, it's, like... it's great to say we have this Swiss Army knife player that is, you know, at times he shows, you know glimpses of being able to be a five million dollar player but then a lot of times he shows glimpses of being an aheler oh my god that pass that he made that he didn't make yeah what was right? that like, why, why would you pass that to jt today why i get that, it that was defenders went to JT. yeah like it yes i get it and i'm not saying get rid of him i still love the guy i still do think he has value especially playoff time when it gets it gets on the line because he's got a mm-hmm. little bit of that that he asshole does. in him but at the same point it's it's nice to have but you got to be able to use it yeah i think where we're getting is that he's more useful down the lineup and it's just hard to put somebody that makes four and a half million dollars mm-hmm. down the lineup from management side so i'm sure keith is like can i put him on the the third or fourth and they're like Obviously, no we're not paying him for that it's like well given I his salary don't need right him now. on the top two He's got to be like your number one or number two candidate for trade down the road. But I just worry about there's going to be a time when you really need him. He's not going to be there. And that's a little concerning to me. Yeah, I like having him when, you know, people are hurt and you can slot him into those positions. But right now when you've got Mulgan and you've got Robertson that both are fighting for that spot and you're just kind of giving it to Kerfoot because of how much money he makes, it seems wrong. And And I feel like that's... A shitload of first round exits. Maybe it's a luxury this team can't afford right now, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, one thing I, w- I forgot to touch on before the game started. Um, 
It seems that every team knows that their ex Leafs are going to score on the Leafs, except for <laughs> Pittsburgh, who for the second time benched Kasperi Kapanen. <laughs> and it's like they don't want him to see his ex for some reason, and I don't get it. Like he played their last game. They just benched him for the two Leaf games. I mean, I think it was a couple games before the the first one, but they let him play in between. So, and a little betting advice: know. if you're doing a parlay and you want an easy leg on it, any ex Leaf who's playing against Leaf, put him up for a point, almost guaranteed. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Luke Shen, he'll score. Like, <laughs> Mikhaev, Nick, put it in. Nick Ritchie, done. Oh yeah, Donzo, of course. Sean Dursey, of course. Um, D- didn't you call me an ass for that against the Coyotes that game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's gonna happen. Um, Sadi, speaking of bets, did you put anything down tonight? I did not, actually. I was uh, pretty busy before the game, so I had no time to do oh, any betting. Um, so <clears throat> JT took a, uh, a high stick. And everybody was a little frustrated on that, asking why there was no call. It was a follow-through, unfortunately, so they can't call it. Uh, that's just kind of... I'm sorry that that's the answer to it, but that is... It sucked, and I know it hurts to watch, but nothing they can do. Speaking nope, of high sticks... That. Oh, yeah. Pucks are not high sticks either. No, I, I didn't realize that they made pucks out of carbon fiber, and that mm-hmm. they're about five and a half to six feet long, and you can shoot with them. Oh, it's a new thing. My dear Lord, if, if like, we, we got into this with uh, James from Offside Talk uh, last episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Because, you know, you guys were talking about the potential of, of maybe getting more reviews or more things being able to be reviewed. This is maybe one of those times where I would agree with that. Because it's, high sticking's always been one of them. Because it, it could be your own player's stick. And Which you could saw. clearly see it on the replay, right? And it, it it can still screw you over. So that maybe is is one exception. But I still stand by what I was saying. Like, we got to be very, very careful. It's a slippery slope. We can't turn this into an NFL game. Yeah, because, I mean, look, say penalties were challengeable. You would have had Keith challenging the one on Geo and this one on Bunting. And, you know, maybe he wins both of them, but we're adding all this time to the game. And, you know, as Leaf fans, yes, it's what we want in this instance, but it's not going to be what you want, you know, other times when we're on the receiving end or it's an offside challenge where it's like 48 seconds after the goal was scored. Like, that's what we're talking about. Come on, Johnny. As Leaf fans, we're never going to see this go the other way. No, of course. (laughs) That's fair. Um. This was also, correct me if I'm wrong, but the broadcasters were saying if this is a four-minute one, they can challenge it. But even if you do challenge it, all they can do is reduce it to a two-minute, can't they? They can't, like, call off the penalty. So it doesn't matter if it was a four-minute. So that was kind of a... Um, But on the broadcast note, Overdrive took over the panel tonight, and that was cool. Shout out to Noodles for coming out with a black eye after taking a stick to the face on the, uh, the bench side the other night. I guess last night. Yeah. Noodles Speaking of like he went stick like to the face and... Mike Tyson there. I know. Right? <laughs> like, speaking of stick to the face, what is with goalies getting eye injuries lately? Like, I, I don't know if you guys saw it. Elliot almost got one tonight. There was a, a play behind the net. Um, Elliot was playing in net for Tampa tonight, and a stick went through the cat eye on his cage. Thankfully, Please. there was no injury. He stayed in the game, but. Yeah, and I mean, we had, uh, who was it? Matt Kachuk? Stuck his stick in Quick's mask and tried oh, to poke his eye. He yeah. did. Classic Kachuk. Yeah. So this uh, period ends with... Oh, yeah. So Matthews comes out of this game with two assists, even though I felt like outside of a couple shots, he was less um, noticeable, I think, than Marner and, uh, and Tavares were tonight, at least, in, I don't know how you guys felt, but I didn't see Matthews as much as them or didn't like hear his name called out at least as much. Well, Sullivan's go-to play has been to stick Crosby on Matthews. That's fair. Right. So, um, nobody in Pittsburgh pulled a Sandine and delivered a hot and ready to <laughs> Matthews. So 
<laughs> aside from that, they pretty much canceled each other out, right? Yeah. When yeah, I think they said they played like 10 the minutes three, together. Yeah, you're shouted by one of the top three all-time players. It's pretty tough to get open and drive any play. However, he did yep, have he that 2-1-1, on but yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was on. That's all on the pens. Um, no, but that's the so, type of play, like you need your other guys to step up when that's going to happen because like you're going into that game knowing Crosby's going to be on his ass all game. So he, he still put up a point or two, and everyone else did, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah. So he he got a secondary assist on this one. He got it over to Holmberg, who had a beautiful pass to manage yeah. to get that one over to Bunting. Like was was that out of the air or did he chip it up? Like I can't. I don't remember. I don't have it here. I'm gonna watch the replay of that. I think he chipped it up. <laughs> I think he chipped it. Can I... But yeah, that was a that was a nice point by him. Yeah, what a way to get your first NHL that. point. Really defensively yeah, responsible player too. Yeah, he was. I agree. Um, and then uh, third period was a lot of a lot of the Penguins trying to come back here. I mean, we got we had the the. Dennis Mulgan. Oh no, this was the high stick. Was in the third period. It was Mulgan who got called for that one, not Bunting. Yeah, it's mistaken. Um, but uh, what was it? Shots. Yeah, here the third period. Penguins came out with fifteen shots in both the second and the third. So they were they were fighting back hard here. They were. The third was Kerfoot was wide open in the slot too and didn't shoot. <sighs> yeah, but Bunting went for the uh, wide open net and Nylander managed to beat the icing out and uh, put it in. Yeah, so they held it up. Five two. Murray's to a towel and. Came in with the W, didn't give away another uh, come from behind loss. No. And your three stars are Michael Bunting, Austin Matthews, and Ricard Raquel for some reason. Yeah, yeah. In a 5-2, are you really going to give it? Okay. For his huh. Whatever. I would have... Okay. I would... He, uh, he, right? He did seem like he was all over the place, though. Malkin, yeah. Maybe? Yeah, right? I don't know. I don't get Even that like one. he let in four goals, but I thought the Smith played a really, really huge game too. He did. Yeah, I'm just checking. Um, okay. So questions here from Twitter. Lucas Hansworth. The puck bomb high sticking incident should be a reviewable. Yeah, well, we just talked about that. Um, thanks for the question, Lucas. Uh next ones. Do we have any more from Twitter here? No. I think I had one on Discord. Apologies. Give me a hot sack. Hot sack. Hot sack. Um Jordy Ben. This is also from Luke Man. Um Jordy Ben, is that what we expected him to do? He's been excellent addition so far, scores one a season, and he's already got a goal. But the grit and the intangibles on D seem to show up a bit. This is not what so, I expected when they picked him up. I thought he was going to be, you know, seventh D. I never expected him to play on the first line and be like the Ilya Labushkin. So I, I didn't expect him to be first line, and I definitely did not expect him to be apparently offensive threat. Jordy Ben, like, did we somehow no. get Jamie Ben instead of Jordy? <laughs> um, but the d- defensive side of the play, this is kind of who he's always been, and I think as long as you don't get too too crazy carried away with uh, a lot of ice time and a lot of high pressure ice time then i think it might not be might not be too bad it might work out fairly well i completely agree i think if he stays within his game and keeps going out with that beard he kind of incorporates what muzzin kind of brought to this team he had a little bit of the <laughs> offensive flair he had a little bit of the nastiness on the d side and uh yeah i mean hopefully like his progression keeps going because that's a it's a nice find by dubas well, yeah, and, and if 35, you look, like, pff. well, yeah, if, if you look at ice time too, the only, the only leaf defenseman that was under 15 minutes tonight was Sandine. So they, they've been spreading it out fairly well, which is good. And then I, I've been really, really happy with how he's looked in the games he's played so far with Victor. Me too. I, and, and, and you have a, a younger potentially more offensive version of him in Mac Hollowell, who's itching to get in. He is. Yeah, didn't they call him up? I thought he was going to play. Yeah, yeah, they did. It's uh, it's a lot of pressure on Sandine right now. You can tell he's kind of feeling it just with, with the plays he's making and stuff. But oh, God, I hope he finds his game. <laughs> just speaking of time on ice for defensemen, it's weird. I was looking. The Leafs, all their defensemen played 
over 20 minutes, except for Lilligren and Sandine. And all of Pittsburgh's defensemen played under 20 minutes, except for Chris Letang, who played 25. <laughs> How many did Lily play? Lily played like 17 and change. I liked his game tonight. I thought he was responsible. You barely noticed him out there. He was always making right decisions. That's kind of what you want out of him right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, I don't make sense of this math, though, as I look at the breakdown of time on ice for the defensemen of Pittsburgh, and it doesn't add up to three periods of having defensemen <laughs> on the ice at all times. So I think there's a couple of mistakes there because they can't all have played under 20, and this, uh, Latang's 25 make up for that. Like, anyway. Um, so we're out of questions. Next thing we should talk about um as beaner has just nudged me in our chat is hockey hall of fame we did we talked about it a bit with james didn't we the the ceremony but not a lot. um well i'm talking more like the inductions because that uh the actual inductions happened uh yesterday right yeah the players did their speeches i don't know if you guys caught any of them or not no i did not unfortunately so, no I had no idea the Sedins actually had a sense of humor. <laughs> it, it, it was pretty good because they, um, so I don't, for anybody that doesn't know on draft night, Daniel was drafted before Henrik, but Henrik is like six minutes older than Daniel or something oh like God. that. Twin stuff, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Daniel comes up, for, comes up first. The very first thing he, he says is he thanks the planning committee for letting him go first. Cause that's the way it should be just like on draft night. <laughs> and, and you know they, the typical hall of fame speech it, it was very well thought out very well said and then hank comes up there and and henrik had uh he missed the ceremony on the ice on friday because of covid he didn't end up making it because he said you know when it comes down to it you got to push through because like our coaches said when we played 70 percent hank at, or henrik at 70 percent is still better than daniel at 100 <laughs> <laughs> So like they were throwing pot shots at each other throughout their whole speeches. It was awesome. That's pretty great. Luongo, That's clever. Luongo was great as well, um, as you would expect him to be. Um, he he put a little pot shot at Noodles too, saying he thought he broke his hand in the middle of a game, and that was back when Luongo was playing seventy five games a year. So Noodles only had to play five. <laughs> Skated over to the bench in a TV timeout and said, "Y'all, you know, Noodles, I think I broke my hand. You're gonna have to come in." And he goes. Nah, you're good. Just play through it. <laughs> <laughs> noodles was too hot dogs deep. Oh, noodles. Yeah. Um, and on uh, the Wongo, but uh, did you see the game that he played? He was he was centering Lindros and Renberg. And oh, Recky, sorry. Renberg. That's a no, no, no. Recky and Renberg. Recky. So he either was way, coming names down heard in a minute. The top of the circle, dangled, snapped it. Pop the water bottle off and then gritty down to center ice. Look it up. Yeah, so he, he, impressive. He made sure he brought up the fact that he scored in his Hall of Fame induction speech. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> he even called out himself on the bathroom incident in the playoffs when he had to leave <laughs> the ice to go, oh, yeah. go take a shit. I also um, like that he brought Cordy, uh, Corey Schneider up there with him too. I thought that was a yeah, pretty classy and, move. And good on Schneider. Schneider played an AHL game on Saturday. Get released, and then came up to play in the uh, the Hall of Fame game for Luongo on Sunday. Wait, Schneider's still playing in the AHL. Yep. Good numbers this year too. Mm, I want to say he's thirty six. Thirty six or thirty seven. I think. Yeah, he. Could have still been in the league. It's, it's kind of nice though, because at the time, like I thought, they kind of really hated each other, just the way they were pushing each other, and they had that whole outdoor game fiasco and everything too. But it was that really was all nice season to brought together. Well, of course, it's torts, but he's going to drive a wedge between anybody. I loved uh, Luongo shared uh, on Twitter. Somebody sent him like um, he was signing a bunch of photos that people had sent, and on one of them, he just wrote, "This is Corey Schneider." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so someone good. sent the wrong photo in. Yeah. Um, oh. And then uh, Alfie with the, the the realism there, he I had no idea. Apparently he battled some uh, mental health issues during his career. Oh, almost, almost hanging them up back in 06. Really? Yeah. Um, yep. 
ended up pushing through. So he, he would, you know, brought it up that it's about time and it's way overdue that, you know, that the league and the sport is trying to get away from the stigma that it's, it's a bad thing and that it's okay to talk about it. Right. I love that these well, are bringing that type of stuff up because it just opens the door for every young guy playing up to, you know, uh, not be scared of it. Absolutely. Um, and then on a lighter note, because we're, I get into this every time Hall of Fame stuff comes up. I want to know who you guys have on your list for next year. I haven't even looked mm. at the people who are eligible. So it, it's it's a pretty quiet year. There's, in my opinion, there's only one first balloter that's coming up. That's like a first first year eligibility, and that's King Henrik. I was just gonna say, is it Henrik Lundqvist? Because yes, then he should be. So, I think Hanks, first ballot. And I think that we need to induct two women this year. I don't know why they don't max it out. They've, for some reason, limited it that you can only induct two women per year. And we need to be maxing that shit out. Because there is way too many women that have done a hell of a lot more than a lot of men for the sport of hockey. And they've, they've had to... They've had to go through a lot more because they're not making four or five million dollars a year playing hockey. They're having to work a full time job still, or they're having to continue to get credits in university or college just to be able to play the game they love at a competitive level. Yeah. Um, so I think I think Hank. I think we need to get Megan Duggan in there. A very nice. storied career. She's Great definitely name. deserved. And Michelle Ouellette. Cool. And then a, I know our... She's American royalty. Uh, Ouellette's Canadian. Well, I meant American. Canadian. Yep. Sorry, I misspoke there. Yep. No, no, it's all good. Um, and then I know our, our buddy and friend of the show, Marty, will be with me all the way. It's about damn time that Elmo gets in there. Elmo? Alexander McGillney. I was going to oh, say... Oh, I was going to... Because my other bro, two picks are it's so funny. or Osgood. Same. I was gonna say, I'm like, well, McGillney's the only one I'm thinking of. I didn't, I've never heard Elmo for him. I was probably too young. A L M O, Elmo. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Like, if 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 you take out his his NHL career, he almost deserves to be in in his career playing for the Soviet Union alone. Like, it's not the NHL Hall of Fame; it's the Hockey Hall of Fame. Can we Mm -hmm. maybe talk about another candidate, Jeremy Roenick? I think he's got over 500 goals, over 1,200 points. One of the biggest assholes to ever play in the league. <laughs> Why is he not in there? The, I, I do think he gets in. I think he is still a, a little ways out. There's talk. He played in the same area as now, Gildy and Osgood. He did. Now, but at the same time, like McGillney's kind or not McGillney, Ronick's kind of one of those... He was a really, really good player. But if you look back through everything, could he have ever been considered at any point in time one of the best? Maybe for a season like, or two, but not for an extended period of time, you're right. Mc, McGillney is one of <clears throat> excuse me, McGillney is one of eight players to have scored seventy goals in a season. That's a huge eight. feather in the cap. And he did it in his rookie year. <laughs> That's oh, sorry, stupid. no, so, sorry, Solani didn't his rookie year, sorry. But it, it, anyways, like, NHL stuff and international stuff, McGillney 100% deserves to be in there. So that that's that's me. I know Marty toots that drum all the, or beats that drum all the time as well. And then a, a dark horse, if you wanted to throw another male in there, would be Rod the Bot. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, especially with what he's done as a coach since, too. Just, like, for all around what he's done for the game, I think he should be in there. Or yeah. Fedorov, too. He's got the rings. He's got the pizzazz. He's got the points. F- Fedorov's already in there. Is he? Yeah, he, he was, was out there with... Um, wasn't he out there with oh, Sunjin and the guys the other night? Yep. Oh. Wow. I'm just shitting all over this segment. Sorry, boys. No, it's okay. Um, it was McGillney's fourth season, 92-93 with Buffalo. He had 76 goals and 51 assists for 127 points. Um, I mean, he broke 100 points again with the Canucks in 95-96, 55 goals, 52 assists. He had an, a, like 
two 80 plus point seasons, a couple 70 plus point seasons. Like, yeah, dude should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, what were his stats with the Leafs? <laughs> um, he played his last, well, three of his last four years with the Leafs. He had uh, 57, 79, and then uh, 30 points in 37 games. Hmm. And he had 79 in 73 games, by the way. Yeah. In 0203. He was incredible everywhere he went. And you ask anybody that that played with him or played against him, and he definitely deserves to be in there. Another person who I, I cannot stop hooping the praise on, and he was on the broadcast tonight, Mike Johnson. He was a teammate of his back in the early 2000s. And he yeah, talks yeah, all the one. time how, how he thinks that, that McGill need, it, it is a snub, that he definitely deserves to be in there. Like He's got 42 more points than games played. That alone, yep. anyone who's got more points than games played should be in the Hall of Fame. No, like he's 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 won a cup. He's done well internationally. Like he he checks all the boxes. Yeah, it's one that doesn't make sense. Um, anything there? Because I have something I want to kind of Maria just kind of make, make a turn on to. Go ahead. So did you <laughs> did you guys see the um, uh, Devin Dubnik quote? Yes. Um, no. <laughs> so Devin Dubnik was asked about uh, by he was with Jason Greger and Frank Zeravali asked about the worst teammate he had for high heaters in practice. <laughs> and without skipping a beat, oh, Nyal Yakupov, the guy was an idiot, complete idiot. Yakupov and sixty four. Yeah, so. Here's the quote. I tried to explain to him. We were doing a low drive from the corner and he's zipping these things past my ear because he's trying to hit the elbow. And I tried to complain to him. You realize there's three outcomes here. You miss the net, you score, or you hit me in the ear. I hate all three of those. If you want to practice this, <laughs> this shot, go do it on the other end. Gregor, did he ever get it? Obviously not. He's nowhere to be found. So I think he hit his elbow too often. Remember the whole Just fail calls for about for like. Yeah. Calls him out for isn't he in the KHL now? Yeah, that's so it didn't work out for him. But I mean, no, he's he, doing okay over there. Well, I'm sure he's doing fine, but he never ever carved out a remote like good NHL career. No, he played. Uh, he's got on his uh, hockey DB here one, two, three, four, five, six seasons in the NHL before he went off to the K. Couple, and he's been already on three teams in the KHL. So. I don't know, man. Poor Nyal. Yep, he's yeah. he's getting right up there in Alexander Dyg territory for first overall bus. No kidding. I feel first like overall Alexander 2012. Had a, he had a way better season than Nail ever had. Who, who was that? Sorry, Sally? I said uh, Alexander had a way better season than Nail ever did. This is true. Um, so real quick... Painter, do you want to touch on this? Because uh, I, w- I would like to promote this. Flo Jurgensen's Bure uh, shirt. Yes. Yeah, so shout out again um, to Flo. I mentioned him two or three episodes ago. Um, the guy does incredible work at Joey Ferg on Twitter. He's got a site you can get. Uh, he's made up all these designs, his own stuff. You can get them on shirts, hats, anything like that incredible stuff i've bought a couple things from him already and he's with help from one of his friends they've come up with a design and it's in honor of bore salming and they're going to put all their proceeds directly to into the als foundation um so als canada and yeah they're gorgeous shirts take a look at them we've uh, i've i've retweeted it i shared it with leafs late the leafs late night twitter account there and yeah, let's uh, let's put some money to a good cause and and show our support for Bore. Yeah, the sweater looks sick. Honestly, like the design really is nice. so cool. The Bore with the the King font and everything. It's just it's a great shirt. We will. Yeah, I'll probably get one tonight. of the shirts to hang up in my new uh, my new studio for my background because that's a good one to to have there. Um, I, I ordered up one of the uh, the baseball shirts. I don't know. I've never seen them before but i bought one the other day the three-quarter sleeve ones they're friggin comfortable oh nice yeah, yeah they are. Those. pretty rare too. um so also 
Also on that, we have merch, if you haven't seen already. Um, head on <laughs> over. There's a, a link tree on our um, our Twitter. If you go to insidetherink.com slash shop, you can get the Leafs Late Night shop there. There's, uh, there's some t-shirts and some sweaters for sale. T-shirts for sale? Sweaters for sale? No? They're very um, nice. They are. They come in an array of leaf-themed colors. Uh, there's black, white, blue. Um, there's navy. There's gray. Kind of got like a reverse retro vibe going. Kind of what I was inspired by when I did our logo. Um, yeah. So that that's available. You should check it out. Anything else here before we sign out? Or is... uh, thanks to everybody that has already helped me and anybody that hasn't. If you could help me retweet my tweet to see if I can win a jersey from uh, the folks over at Jersey Flock. Yeah, I'm hoping to be able to get a reverse retro done up for Tim Horton there. So all you got to do is retweet a tweet for me. I need about 308 in the next 12 hours. So it'll be... Do it. Come together. Let's do it for Beaner. It'll be close. Yeah. Do it for Beaner. Head over to his Twitter and retweet that so we can get a Tim Horton jersey. And um, also, if you're not on our Discord... Go and join our Discord because um, Mr. Luke Man, uh, Lucas <laughs> Hainsworth, just posted something fun. Yep, I um, noticed that. So he just posted in our, our Leafs Late Night Discord. This is uh, where we do, there's live game chats. There's You can talk about other teams too, Raptors and Jays. We have things for those. Um, the weather, your pets, you know, things that <laughs> as Twitter becomes a... Um, unsure space we just wanted to make a place for everybody to go to hang out and watch leaf game yeah um so luke man we're gonna have a giveaway slash competition on the discord whoever picks the first leaf goal scorer and picks the correct score will win one uh a charity donation to a charity of your choice two Love a it. tim hortons slash starbucks ew gift card i'm more of an ew to tim hortons but i know luke man agreed doesn't have the same um advertising of tim hortons down his throat in australia as we do <laughs> um yeah so if you want to get in on something like that because that sounds fun and i'm interested in that head on over to our discord and join that yeah what a great thing coming from luke man too like we love that fan support type of stuff thank you for that otherwise i think we out of here man um what's the next leaf game who are they playing next i haven't checked in a while shit um, I love how none of us were prepared for that question. None of us. Yeah. <laughs> devils. Taking a okay. Time here. <laughs> okay. So, you know what? This is worth mentioning because the Devils are on like a 10 game winning streak. Um, what the hell do we do here? How do you think this one turns out? Beat the shit out of them. That's what we do. Well, I know uh, my buddy Moose is probably going to want to put a little friendly wager on it. Because Ooh. he's a Devils fan and I'm a Leafs fan. We should it's, get Zardy on that one too. In Toronto, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Matt Murray bounces back after his first game. I assume yeah, he is playing. It's, it's one of those tough things with New Jersey where they shouldn't be good. So it's kind of like a matter of time before the uh, the pumpkin time hits and the, the carriage turns back into the pumpkin and the horses <laughs> become whatever and... Well, I don't know what happens in Cinderella, but you know they've had you high catch picks for a while. See, and they've see, just been accumulating yes, draft picks for years. So, yeah. yeah, they've they've got lucky with a couple players as well. Like Jesper Bratt's unreal. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Hughes is he unreal. Sure. He sure has been solid since he's been there. But like, even if you look at last year, if they didn't have to use fifteen goalies throughout the season, they mm-hmm. probably would have been a little better. No, you know, yeah. I don't like Dougie Hamilton. He like he's having a renaissance this year. Yeah, he had, he battled a couple of freak injuries last year. I think he had a broken jaw for a little while, and yeah. just check. I I think I, I think it, they've kind of overcompensated. I don't think this is where they'll be all year. I don't think they'll be putting up multiple ten game winning streaks, but I don't, I don't see them so being a cellar dweller again either. I think they're going to kind of you know meet in the middle a little bit. Like, I'm just looking at their lineup. You've got Thomas Tatar and Fabian Zetterland on your first line with Nico Heischer. Like, and 
it becomes I don't know who I mean I I recognize some I mean Miles Wood's been good but he's in the fourth line their center depth falls off you've got Heisher Hughes Halla and McLeod like they it's young talent right like that's what they have is young talent and plugs so they shouldn't be good but they've got they're they're kind of like in a better situation than Anaheim is right now like yeah a couple years down the road from Anaheim where they've moved on from the old guard and onto the younger guys. They just don't have enough of the pieces around to really turn them into a competitive night in night out team. Like it if these like... guys had someone that's not Thomas Tatar on the first line as their winger, but like, a, like the next step up from a Thomas Tatar, this would be a dangerous team. It sounds like a nineties thing, but like they're, they play a really responsible style of game. So every time you play them, like you have to be on your best every line. And anytime you make a mistake, these guys are going to capitalize on it. So it should yeah, be an interesting just game. fantasy wise, I have Ryan Graves, and I'm looking at this, and I should have Jonas Siegenthaler because apparently he's on the first pair with Dougie Hamilton. <laughs> so I'm just you know making big mistakes. I don't know what's Damon Severson's on the third pair there now. What happened there? I thought that guy was like good. He wasn't yeah, good against was, us. Uh... <laughs> anyway, so that should be an interesting game to watch. That's all. Thanks for tuning in. I know this has been a little little bit of an improv ending, but hey, thanks for joining. We love y'all. Have a lovely evening. We'll see you Thursday. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. 